Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tony Katz. It's Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, uh, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Tony Kinnett Cast. It's good to be back with you guys after a lovely paternity leave. I am Tony Kinnett. And uh, first, I'd like to take a moment and thank uh, the guys who filled in while I was gone, Indy Spanglish, otherwise known as Jerry Lopez, uh, as well as Ethan Hatcher and Stephen Kent. I really appreciate the help and uh, the great shows that they put on while I was gone. And there's a lot to get to. So while I would love to tell you all about how great it is to now be a father of two, there are a lot of pressing issues, like what was sent to me about 10 minutes before the show. And that is that according Uh, To the collegiate commons, the Butler College Republicans has been vindicated after a five-month-long Title IX investigation. So, for those of you who may or may not remember, Butler University has a chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine, which is a radical Shia Muslim-friendly organization uh, who supports Hamas openly and directly. And uh, unlike a lot of other campuses around the country where they've been banned for, you know, racist, violent rhetoric, um, as well as uh, vandalism and harassment, violence and things that, you know, the the pro Hamas crowd and the pro uh, BLM crowds are rather known for uh, this group. Just three days after Hamas brutal rape and murder of about twelve hundred Israeli people uh, and American citizens, as well as many others, uh, the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter in Butler decided that it would be a great idea to hold a pro-Palestine <clears throat> rally on Monument Circle. And while they were there, they chanted things like, quote, not a victim, not a crime, end quote. You know, talking about how since Israel wasn't a victim uh, in the uh, Israel-Hamas relations, that therefore Hamas raping and killing people, not a crime. Um, amazing. It By the way, that's the, the same uh, rhetoric that was used by the, the Germans to justify World War II. That because the Treaty of Versailles meant that everyone was mean to Germany, that that they could just do whatever they wanted and and kill whoever they wanted, and it was totally fine. In fact, Japan has used the exact same rhetoric in both imperialistic phases of its country's existence. Stupid argument. So the college Republicans of Butler condemned the protest and said uh, this violates the uh, non-discrimination policy that Butler made all of us sign to be official university organizations. And so Butler's equity officer and Azure Swinford, after hearing the whining and the complaining and the tears of the poor pro-Hamas students, launched an investigation into uh, the group that was chanting for the death of Jews and Christians. (laughs) No, silly. Launched an investigation into the uh, Butler College Republicans for inciting violence against Palestinian students. Uh, which that makes uh, about as many sense as a broke ATM machine. So five months went by and nothing happened. Uh, she took some statements. This would be Azure Swinford, the Title IX and DEI coordinator, took some statements from the Butler University College Republicans and uh, intimated to them that they would receive a warning, that things weren't going to turn out in their favor. She said she wasn't interested in any evidence as to whether uh, the pro-Palestinian Hamas protesters had chanted this at all. Uh, and a lot of other shenanigans. So I decided to go over to Butler and ask some questions myself. 
and uh, in an off-the-record interview with Azure, uh, found out that a lot of my assumptions were rather correct. We wrote an article on it. Representative Jim Banks uh, wrote a letter from the House Education Ways and Means Committee and said, look, you received Title IX funding. You need to fess up about what kind of DEI title investigations you're doing, you know, because you're doing this with taxpayer money. And suspiciously, just a, a few short hours ago, uh, Butler University has dropped the investigation, claiming that, well, it was just a bias investigation. Yeah, yeah, sure, you could have been banned from campus, but there was no harm done. We, we take exchange of ideas freely, you know, unless you uh, say anything about Palestinian students. So that's a victory for the Butler College Republicans. Uh, not a victory this evening is a decision from the Supreme Court of the United States in a 5-4 decision. Uh, the Supreme Court has ruled that the Border Patrol agents of the federal government have the authority to get rid of the barbed wire that Governor Abbott's administration in Texas put up at dangerous border crossing points to limit illegal immigration. Uh, there's no reason to remove uh, barbed wire or uh, Constantino wire, mainly because if someone's not supposed to cross an area and they see barbed wire scattered in huge long lines across the field, that may mean fewer of those people try to uh, cross into that area. There are a lot of fenced buildings around this country, both civilian, state government, and federal government uh, facilities that have barbed wire on the tops of fences. And that's fine because it dissuades people from breaking and entering. And guess what, guys? Illegal immigration is breaking and entering the United States. The disturbing part of this story, though, more so than the decision, is that uh, you have Justice Roberts and uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who actually sided with the liberals in this situation and said that it would be uh, a good thing for the federal government uh, to get to, again, supersede state rights. And uh, sorry, states, you can't control your border. Well, Governor Abbott is not taking this uh, lying down. Uh, he tweeted just a few moments ago, this is not over. Texas razor wire is an effective deterrent to the illegal crossings that Biden encourages. I will continue to defend Texas constitutional authority to secure the border and prevent the Biden administration from destroying our property. So state governments, state governments have the authority to protect their citizens and protect their borders. Um, there is a constitutional provision that says states cannot forbid interstate travel from one state to another. So Texas cannot forbid citizens from traveling from Texas to Oklahoma, for instance. But there is no law on the congressional books which says that a state is not allowed to protect its own borders from outside external country borders. So Canada uh, and Mexico um, and coastal port areas, states are allowed to make sure their citizens are safe when there are external factors involved. And because there's no law that says that states cannot uphold their own borders, the Constitution says any law Congress doesn't make is relegated to the state's authority. And so states have the right States have the authority. Indiana has the authority over the port of Indiana in Gary, Indiana. We have the authority to protect that, to regulate what kind of traffic comes in and out. If there's any traffic inbound from Canada, Indiana has the utmost and supreme authority to decide what kind of uh, scrupulous factors come into play as to whether the Canadians or other government using that shipping lane can deposit things into the state of Indiana and the United States at that port of entry. That is how that works. And this 
this Supreme Court decision is, is practically be, bewildering. We'll, we'll keep you up to date on that for sure. Finally, lastly, but not leastly, and we'll be getting into this a little bit in the third segment of the show tonight, uh, Trump and Haley are to face off in the last primary that matters. I, I know in Indiana, we're like 327th on the list of states that get to vote in the primary. And so obviously a lot of our primary votes in the presidential elections don't really mean a whole lot because uh, it's kind of boiled down by the time it gets to us. But Trump has coalesced all of the parts of the Republican Party that he needs. Tomorrow will cement the fact that he will beat Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's best chance to win a fraction of the vote was in New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley has shot herself in the foot more than Gomer Pyle and Barney Fife combined in the last several weeks. Every time she gets in front of the camera, she embarrasses herself. I embarrassed it at allies and friends of mine like Americans for Prosperity for ever giving her support. She is a horrible candidate. She has terrible policies. She is unaccomplished. And beyond that, she has nothing to bring to the presidency other than what she has said is the only thing she can bring to the presidency. That is that she was an accountant and that is that she is a woman. And that's not a sexist comment, by the way. If someone goes around and says, hey, I'm really great because I'm a woman, then you saying, you know, I, I think that's kind of silly. I'd rather look at your, you know, what you've accomplished, maybe what it is that you bring to the table. Um, just shaking your sexual organs in our faces does not give you any kind of special whatever. Um, unless you're talking about childbirth or something that is biologically different. When it comes to the presidency of the United States, I am very in favor, happily in favor, uh, to vote for a woman to lead the United States. Uh, but I would prefer it to be someone who has the qualities and the characteristics necessary to govern this country. And that appears to be the sentiment not only of the Republican Party en masse, but of the United States at large. Nikki Haley is not polling well, and it's getting worse by the day. And it appears that New Hampshire will settle that once and for all. There's a lot more to get to that in segment three on some lessons from the primary. Up next, we're going to be talking to Logan Hall of the Blaze because Biden has once again threatened to use the United States Air Force to strike U.S. citizens. Top tier election year stuff. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnicast on 93 WIBC. We are here with the one, the only Logan Hall, digital for the blaze. And uh, he and I have a, a bit of a ritual, a, a tradition, you might say. And that is whatever something especially patently, ridiculously insane uh, happens in the federal government, usually sends it over. And this one is uh, particularly heinous. So, Logan, I, <laughs> I got asked, so uh, this article from Town Hall. Biden threatens to use military jets on law-abiding American citizens. Break this down for us. Yeah, so uh, I think the good thing about having a dementia patient as president is he will occasionally <laughs> he will occasionally say out loud what they're all thinking, mm. but you're not supposed to actually tell people. But this is one of those circumstances where he did that. And this is a line that Biden has used before where he says hey you know uh if you if you people are out there talking about the tree of liberty uh needs to be occasionally reborn with the blood of patriots and tyrants he said if you're thinking about that 
Uh, he said, I love these guys who say this because if you're really worried about the government, you're going to need an F-16. So this is something Biden has like kind of fantasized and teased at before. It's using the military right. in some way on law-abiding gun owners and patriots who just quote words from the founding. Um, but it, it's, it, it, does, it does bring you back to, if you remember a few weeks, maybe it was a month or two ago, where uh, Di- Senator Dick Durbin said that um, he went very viral for this. He said that we should be potentially uh, giving the illegal immigrants a pathway to citizenship so that they can then join our military because we don't have enough because recruitment is so bad and there's a crisis in the military where, where there's right. no one wants to go fight for them anymore. So he said maybe we could deputize these illegals to go fight for, fight our wars for us now. And so uh, it, it's very, you know, you, you could ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen here? Would, would the Biden administration want to get, I mean, if you imagine, imagine worst case scenario, would they want a bunch of illegal immigrants going into the middle of the country with F-16s to terrorize law-abiding gun owners? Gun owners? I don't know. But that's like, that's worst case scenario you can imagine here, right? So there's a former Army intelligence officer named James Wesley Rawls, and he talks about kind of the collapse of the American economy and collapse of social order and, and, you know, how absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so you have a situation in which the Democrats believe they'll use whatever means necessary to stop what they see as the ultimate threat. And there's this conversation as to whom the federal government would use to impose its will on uh Again, common Americans who just own firearms, again, for the defense of liberty, to protect constitutional rights. And there is something to the idea that uh, you're not seeing conservative or uh, independent or uh, moderate individuals of the youth today that are being uh, called into the military. Like, none at all. In fact, all of the training materials, all of the advertisements for recruitment are towards talking about how diverse the Army is and how woke it is and how our admiral may have a penis, may have a vagina. Who knows? And it really does concern you because this is the same force that wants to use the same military to beat down on its own citizens ideologically. Yeah, uh yeah, the state of the military. I mean, everybody knows if you if you're if you've been paying attention, it's not very good right now. Uh, we have a lot of generals there who uh, have never actually won any wars. They're not very super impressive people when you hear them talk. Um, and, and just it just generally goes to like, well, you know, kind of your point. Are what at what point do they get absolute power, and what are they willing to do with it? Uh, I think. I think we're in for some dark times ahead, but um, you know that's why you're seeing every time you go into uh, a, a Bass Pro Shops or a Cabela's nowadays, all the ammo is sold out. I mean, people can sense that uh, the more that lawlessness and chaos creeps into the country and creeps into their communities, the more they're going to be. They realize that no, probably no one is coming to save them and they're going to need to defend themselves and their communities. And this was another thing, even this is another outrageous thing the federal government did recently where the Weaponization Committee uh, in, in the House GOP majority, they revealed that the federal government might be spying on you if you were, or they were, yeah. transa- they were giving your transaction history to financial institutions if you were shopping at a Bass Pro Shops or a Cabela's. I mean, that's just insane. 
Again, it's and th- this is very selective kind of criminal response that we're seeing. We're on with Logan yeah. Paul over from The Blaze talking about just this kind of very strange rhetoric coming from, well, not strange, we're very used to it by now, but this very <laughs> disturbing rhetoric that's coming from the Democrats and from progressives in, in using military force uh, to threaten anyone who dares fly a Gadsden flag or perhaps quote Thomas Jefferson. Um, who may or may not have signed a few important documents. I, I'm really not quite sure. Uh, my public school history class didn't go into too much detail. <laughs> um, I, I did want to bring this up to you, though. You don't see Biden talking about using federal force against those who broke down the White House gate from the pro-Palestinian camp yeah. or talking about the BLM protesters that burnt down Milwaukee and Kenosha. It's really only reserved for one very specific class of citizen, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's the people who just won't get in line, that stupid middle American voter who just won't shut up and won't believe what they're saying. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, why aren't they using, why aren't they, he won't use force on the southern border for these millions of illegal immigrants that are coming here either. So it does tell you a lot about uh, who they view their enemies as. Um, They really, really have just kind of, Betray. I mean, they're very open about how much they hate just typical conservative. Just even. Well, I mean, the federal government's not even letting state governments utilize force to secure their own borders. With the Supreme Court judging that Texas isn't allowed to string barbed wire or uh, Constantino wire over certain sections of the U.S. border, uh, and, and it's like I, we're the United States now, man. It's the federal government and everyone else can can get on their knees and put on their chains. Yeah, they they definitely view us as an economic zone. And they somehow keep telling us that this is somehow letting this happen is somehow our strength. Um, I saw a good quote the other day. It said, we're going to have the most diverse and in- inclusive societal collapse ever in history. And I think that's probably going to be accurate because we have no idea who's coming here. And we're just letting them in by the millions. Doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, yeah, no. I'm very concerned about that. And and additionally, I mean, if one of these, we, we basically, a terrorist attack is probably going to happen. Uh, we've basically set the stage for that because we have no idea who's here. And once that does happen, you know that they will use that as even more justification to crack down on the people who are not terrorists. So we don't even uh, have a president who can properly express grief and and solemn comfort yeah, to families that, of missing yeah, or day. killed in action troops. Yep, I saw and you don't. It, it's such a low bar. All you have to do is express co- you know, concern and solidarity with your U.S. Navy. But he, as Corinne Jean Pierre has indicated, they're far more concerned about putting men in skirts in the Admiralty than being concerned about our special force and Navy SEAL operators. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's like you said before the interview, we're, we're beyond clown world now. We're the circus inside the circus. Yes, we are. And, it, it, and it's tough to see where where this all ends up. Uh, but I think the best thing that we can do is invest in our communities, uh, start mm-hmm. locally, start uh, building strong communities locally, and just keep a good sense of humor about it. I know you do this well. Uh, the, the, there, there's... The things that are happening on a daily basis are basically beyond parody, and the answer is to mock them and ridicule them and humiliate them because what they're doing right now is unsustainable. We just it just it's inhuman. I mean, it it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have any sort of uh, legitimacy to it. It's just all one big 
facade and we just have to keep our noses down nose on the grindstone and push forward because this cannot go on forever no it can't logan hall from the blaze make sure to check out his work of course you can follow him over at logan clark hall on x which is really where you should be following him you will be back with us in just a minute don't go anywhere you're listening to the tony kennecast on 93 wibc whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. You know, uh, there's a lot of great stuff that we've got coming down the pike for you this year. Uh, some of the stuff I can share, we're going to have some really great guests from the entertainment industry and the U.S. Senate uh, coming on with us shortly. Don't want to get into too many details on that just yet. But I know that there are a lot of you. And when I mean a lot of you, I mean like my grandmother in Henry County who texts me and says, Tony, if I don't get the show on the air live, how can I go and listen to the show later? Because you know what? You really should have a supportive grandmother or mother. And I, I'm very fortunate to have one. And you know what I say to her, what I say to my dear Nana in Henry County, I say, Nana, you go to Apple podcasts or Spotify podcasts or whatever podcast service makes you feel special. You type in Tony Kinnett and that's K-I-N-N-E-T-T uh, for the various individuals out there who aren't blessed with such difficult last names and you subscribe to the tony kennett cast on your favorite podcasting service you can leave us a five-star review on apple if you mean it uh, if you don't mean it then then don't uh, leave a review uh, sorry the reviews are only open to those who want to leave five-star reviews and those that i pay to leave reviews uh, so we'll be on about that exclusive subscriber paid subscription service <laughs> in just a little bit. Uh, no, I'm, I promise I'm not paying anyone to leave reviews. I don't... Allison, I, has anyone even left a, a review on the, the podcast yet? I think this is the first time we've mentioned it. She's she's doing her, her searching and typing. I don't I don't actually think that we have anyone out there uh, that's, that's found the Apple stuff. Oh, okay, we have a few. We have a few ratings. So you can go look that up. But there are some lessons to learn from the primary in 2024. And lessons are important. Lessons are things that we reflect on and, and you know, forget in about four years because uh, we're doomed to repeat the same history over and over. But I made a couple of predictions before we went into primary head to head with Iowa um, and then New Hampshire. I said, first of all, I thought that the polls were not garbage as in Trump wasn't in the lead. It was silly to think that Trump wasn't in the lead. But I thought that people quite honestly, weren't answering polls anymore. Uh, I know that whenever I pick up the phone and I hear that automated uh, button sound that no sends me to a call center, I hang up the phone. I know a lot of people do. I haven't really put a lot of trust and faith in polls. And I'm going to be real with you guys. I was dead wrong. In fact, Trump overperformed his polls in Iowa, and he is going to overperform those polls in New Hampshire. Write it down. Take it to the bank. There is no way Nikki Haley walks away with New Hampshire tomorrow. If Nikki Haley walks away with New Hampshire tomorrow, um, I will give Nigel uh, from Hammer and Nigel some of my vacation time. Uh, so that is a commitment that I make to you, the listeners of WIBC out there in the wild blue yonder. There are a couple of lessons for those of you out there who, who 
you know, might actually keep some of these things in your back pocket that are useful. The first is that this is an incumbent versus an incumbent election. Republicans view Donald Trump as the incumbent. Uh, he has some unfinished business. There is an emotional connection to a lot of the ways that his administration ran and also the way that Trump ran his campaign and also the communications from his presidency. A lot of people are fond of that. Trump is the natural incumbent into the election. And quite honestly, I, I count myself as foolish for not having recognized that very simple and obvious fact earlier on. The returning candidate who was eligible last time carries an enormous amount of weight into the next election, whether via endorsement or whether via running themselves. This is not the first time this has happened, by the way, that a former defeated president or a former president ends up coming back against the incumbent. Uh, we saw this only once in the United States, and that was in 1892 uh, when uh Grover Cleveland, the uh, Democrat former president, defeated incumbent Republican President Benjamin Harrison. So Grover Cleveland had been president and then Benjamin Harrison won and then Cleveland came back and ended up winning that one. So it is certainly an up in the air. It's not totally unusual in the United States. I know for a long time we were used to our back and forth eight year shenanigans, but realistically, realistically this isn't that unusual so that's the first thing to learn this is an incumbent versus an incumbent election number two this is a situation in which voters genuinely from both sides of the aisle want revenge and i say voters want revenge and there are some individuals and in, in some of my more moderate republican friends um that really don't like that they don't like the word revenge it makes them think of violence and terror and horrible things and they think revenge Ooh, that's very scary very cult-like shenanigans um no people want revenge all the time and revenge doesn't have to be the dramatic stephen king novel version of the word revenge uh, it can just mean that people goaded emotionally or cognitively by slights in the past are ready to flip the tables and see something you know, some kind of comeuppance and in this case voters on both the right and the left are eager to see some type of comeuppance in favor of trump and it takes place in different forms number one and the most unifying thing is the economy I've spoken to Democrats in union picket lines in Detroit. I've spoken to Democrats in, in rural areas across the Midwest. I've spoken to Democrats in New York, in Washington, D.C., in red states like Florida, and in blue states like California, who are frustrated with all of the moderate promises that they were uh, promised by the Biden administration, by Biden's campaign. And instead, he's made the economy worse. They have less food on the table. People have less money to spend at the grocery store on items that are already overinflated by price. And no matter how much senators like Elizabeth Warren or Indiana Democrats try to get up and tell everyone, well, it's actually the Republicans' fault that the economy is, is bad, um, even though uh, everyone was, they had their eyes open while the money printers were running inflation around the clock, and then Biden got into the office and then slapped a bunch of green executive orders that crippled the U.S. economy. Uh, yeah, people have eyes. And voters tend to have memories when it comes to the economy and their wallets. And this is one of the reasons why you're not going to see a lot of momentum for Biden in the next election. Momentum for Trump is pretty much stable. The base comes out and votes for Trump. A lot of Republicans in some areas come out for Trump. Democrats tend to change on how much they come out. 2020 was an outlier year in regards to a lot of things, not the least early in mail-in voting. Number three. 
the lesson of Trump. The lesson of Trump ends in in two key places. The lesson for Trump ends with Republicans tomorrow night in New Hampshire. The lesson for Trump and Democrats ends uh, the day after uh, the great Tuesday of voting in November. So tomorrow night, Republicans are going to finish learning the lesson of Trump. Number one, it is true that the media wanted the media being the legacy media wanted Trump to win the primary. They absolutely wanted Trump to win the primary. You'll notice that I'm using the past tense and I'm using it for a reason. The media wanted Trump to win the primary because they thought Trump on the ballot would be just like 2020 and that they could have Biden say nothing and that Trump would get out there and say a bunch of stupid stuff and that voters would all come out to stop Trump again. They thought Trump is the easiest target. Only here's the catch. That is not true. Incumbent elections are referendums on the state of the nation under the incumbent, which means 2020 was kind of a referendum on Donald Trump. But 2024 is a referendum on Biden. And guess what? Biden has done a pretty bad job. He's done such a bad job that you have Democrat senators and representatives openly badmouthing his administration in Congress and not just to conservative outlets, to any outlet. John Fetterman, the stroke survivor from Pennsylvania, is walking around telling people the border crisis is a disaster and the Biden administration has made it worse, end quote. It's incredible. So that's the second thing. Number three, Biden ran as a moderate in 2020. He ran as a moderate. What that means is, and you guys should remember this, Biden came out and said, I just want everybody come together and it'll all be, we'll be friendly and togetherness. And, and then he governed in the exact opposite fashion. Once Biden got into office, he governed like Obama's second term and was incredibly progressive, incredibly far to the left, and really upset a lot of voters. And the voters on the left that he upset, the very last vestige of the labor Democrats, are not going to come out and vote for Trump at least most of them, but they're not going to come out and vote for Biden. Elections are not won based on who comes to vote. Elections are won based on who didn't come to vote. That was true in 2016. It was true in 2020, and it's going to be true in 2024. The last key point is the lesson that Republicans need to learn, and it's about Nikki Haley. The establishment and corporate tactics of the Republican Party are dying. It's over. Every major money group got behind Nikki Haley in this election. Tried very, very hard. She's an awful candidate. She's very bland. She's a lot like a lot of establishment classic Republican candidates around the country. They don't really have anything to say. They don't really have any great things to bring to the party. They don't really have any great things to bring to the office. They're just kind of milk toast, mediocre, kind of status quo. They're not really going to change anything. And for some people, that's fine. They do a lot of corporate subsidies. They do a lot of shady backroom deals, like a lot of politics goes. And recently, a lot of these establishment Republicans have gone all in on the Republican form of identity politics, which is where when a Democrat gets up and says, I'm black and that's why I'm great. The Republican Party says, well, that's that's kind of gross. Isn't it more important that no matter what color you are, you're a great person? In the last couple of years, though, have you guys kind of noticed that some of the Republicans have gotten up in front of people and said, hi, I'm a person of color, therefore I'm great. Hey, I'm a woman, therefore I'm great. The Indiana Republican Party has kind of an organization that treats people as special because of the color of their skin. It's, it's not popular. Is it great to have people of every color, every creed, both sexes in the party doing great things and getting involved in leadership? Absolutely. 
Does their greatness come from what color they are or what genitals they have? Absolutely not. And if you think you're special because you have a color of skin, you have missed every single Aesop fable the last 25 to 75 years of history and the entire scope of half of the moral ethices of religions from around the world. Your color does not make you special, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. And Nikki Haley is learning this because she got up in front of everyone and told a very sad story. A very sad, just just horrible, sad story. Nikki said, when I was young, I was bullied for being brown. And, and that's why a lot of Republicans don't like me. And she has said this several times in the last couple of days. Only here's the catch. That was not true. Because photos of Nikki Haley show her looking uh, pretty, 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 pretty extra light-skinned. And honestly, I have seen stars on Saved by the Bell that were more tan than Nikki Haley. In an era when being light-skinned and having a light tan was like the goal. So, no, no one's buying it. She isn't able to provide any kind of specifics, say, oh, I, you know, this is something I always kept that was a horrible, this terrible note that was left on my locker. Or, you know, I, I remember when this person said this to me, just very vague, oh, people have never really liked me because I'm brown or because I'm a woman. Maybe people don't like you because you sold land to China when you were the governor of, of South Carolina. Or maybe people don't like you because you said that you would require people to have a license to be on social media. Or maybe because you think that high taxes are good, or that abortion is totally fine in a lot of cases, or maybe because you believe that the United States should be sending billions, if not trillions of dollars in aid to Ukraine. The establishment Republican Party, where large amounts of money would just automatically grant a candidate an election, are over. They are not working anymore. And the longer it takes to learn this lesson, the more grief it will cause for individuals who are trying to make a difference via the Republican Party. Up next, we're going to be talking about something a little more positive. I pinky promise you are listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the Tony Kennett cast on 93 WIBC. I'm Tony Kennett. And guys, there's a light at the end of the sludge that we're going to call 2024 because look, it's been 2016 for like nine years now. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty tired. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you guys are also pretty tired. And the good news is that there is good news. And often I think that we're a little bit distracted by the good news because we think that in order for momentum to change, uh, instead of a lot of people supporting uh, a lot of the crazy nonsense that's gone on over the last couple of years with regard to um, transgendering children, a lot of the insane woke ideology that's pervaded everything from the sports that you try to watch to the schools that you try to send your kid to, the horrible economy, all of that, people think that in order for the signal of momentum to have changed, that what you need is just as many people speaking out against it as we're supporting it at its peak. And that's not the case. Because a pendulum does not swing by just teleporting from one lofty point to the opposite lofty point. 
it starts to swing the other direction. And as it does, you get less and less momentum for the previous direction. And that's what we are starting to see and not just starting to see in some aspects in, in the economy in regards to uh, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, to Target, to a lot of other companies that have made a lot of really stupid decisions, you are starting to see less and less support. We are finding that this may have been Target's worst holiday season since it started in terms of organization and market share. Uh, Target made the decision to put a bunch of LGBTQ pride stuff in with its Christmas things this year, including hiring a, a pride coordinator, whatever that is, uh, to uh, tear down Christmas, uh, the, the individual's words, not mine. And people are just kind of letting the air out of the tires. They just really don't care for it very much anymore. And it's not only that. People are also growing very weary of all of the road-blocking uh, situations that are keeping people not just uh, from the highways in L.A., but also airports in New York and in Washington. People are really just getting tired of it. And the more that you start to annoy people, and the more that on the major media that you hear the fear-mongering speaker turned up to 11 where they warn you that yet another election, democracy is on the ballot, and fascism is coming, and oh, it's the end of everything, um, pretty soon people kind of get used to it. And it kind of loses its, its spiciness. The first time that you use the word Nazi to describe someone who's a political opponent, it has a quite a bit of potency. But the 854th time that you do, it doesn't quite have as much of a punch. Again, this is the entire theme of the little boy who cried wolf. And this is the corner that the left has backed them into. They have backed themselves into a move that they made about 20 years too early. And so when you start to look at and consider where the country is going, realize that the social capital that the left has enjoyed over the last decade in cajoling and in intimidating individuals to staying silent in the workplace as their uh, opposite political colleagues uh, said rather disturbing things and annoyed individuals to the uh, umpteenth degree, it's not quite working that way anymore. Lawsuits are starting to come hot and heavy from the uh, conservative representatives of those who you can't just fire because they didn't want a racial training where they had to apologize for their skin color. You're starting to see people who don't care, again, what color a person is, what sex an individual is, or who it is that they choose to sleep with. And no, we shouldn't be talking to children about these issues when they are in kindergarten. And that's the shining light at the end of 2024. Because though you expect to see another year of, of college students whipped up into a frenzy by the Hillary Clinton supporters at the idea of a Trump candidacy, I just don't see as many people freaking out about it. Because Trump already had a term, and the world didn't end. And uh, the more people start to disconnect with the media, turn things off and hang out with their families, the better things start to be. Thanks for tuning in this evening. It's great to be back with you. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC.